Thanks for joining the Inspired Churches podcast. If this is your first time listening in, we're glad you're here. For more information about our church, visit www.inspiredchurches.com. Now, let's listen to the word from Pastor Philip Mwella. Um, so Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, Jesus' words, and this is what he says. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have the reward. I'm sorry, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. And I want to stop right there and just, Jesus is transitioning a little bit. And Jesus gives us this simple warning. Be careful not to make a show of your religion in front of man. Be careful not to make a show of your religion in front of men. If you guys remember for the last couple of weeks, Jesus is moving his examples of righteousness out of the realm of everyday life and into the realm of church. Now, I know for the past two weeks, if you've been here, we've been kind of beating up on worldly people in the church, haven't we? We've been kind of beating up on them worldly folks that be coming to church. Well, this morning, I'm happy to tell you that we're going to pick on the churchy people today. So I want you to know there's worldly people in the church, and then there's churchy people in the church that need to be picked on too. And Jesus um, made sure that, he, uh, that people knew that he meant business on both sides of the aisle. You see, it's known throughout the entire New Testament that as Christians, we are to be called out of the world. It's less known that Jesus also calls his followers not to look like those religious individuals who know the motions, but lack the sincerity of heart. So Jesus moves from anger, lust, divorce, that was a tough one last week, and vengeance. And now he talks about giving, praying, and fasting, proving that when it comes to God, even your religious devotion can miss the mark. Are you with me? Let me say that again. Jesus moves from anger Lust, divorce, and vengeance. And now he addresses giving, praying, and fasting. And he proves that when it comes to God, even your religious devotion can miss the mark. Now let's skip to, chapter, to verse 2. We're going to read Matthew chapter 6, verse 2 through 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 2 through 6 says this. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you go. As the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret, guess what? He'll reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now let's skip down to verse 16. And I'm going to read 16 through 18. Jesus says this, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. 
Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. Praise God. That your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who sees in secret. And your father who sees in secret, guess what? He'll reward you. Now, before we break down the lessons that Christ is giving us, I want to note that I purposefully left out verses 7 through 14. Some of you saw the skip. We'll circle back to those verses next week, and we'll dive into the role of prayer in the life of a believer. And then the following week, we'll do the same thing for fasting. So next week, we'll talk about the role of prayer in the life of a believer. And the week, of that, what week after that, we'll talk about fasting. Are you with me? Now, this is where it's going to get a little fun. After next Sunday's teaching on prayer, every home group is going to gather together and experience what it's like to pray together. So we'll teach on prayer, and then the home groups throughout the week will be a time of community prayer. Likewise, the Sunday after that, it was like, that's the, on your calendar, mark this one. We will be talking about fasting, and then I'm going to challenge the entire church to a fast. <laughs> you can tell it's a church plant. <laughs> what? Pray and fast? Now, I can't wait to see and hear your stomach. No, I can't wait to see and hear what God will do in that time. As for this morning's message, relax. You made it. You're here. I gave you guys a heads up. As for this morning's message, even though Jesus mentions giving, praying, and fasting, his primary concern is with the motivation behind why we do it. So that's what we're going to focus on this morning. Are you with me? So if you read through the teachings, which we just did, if you read through them carefully, you'll see that there's a pattern that emerges. What's the pattern? Well, first, Jesus names the activity. When you give, when you fast, when you pray. And then secondly, Jesus describes how the hypocrites practice the activity. And then finally, lastly, Jesus describes how an authentic Christian should practice that same activity. Are you with me? But first, I'd like to notice something before we get into this pattern. And it's going to be kind of hard, but I think it's an important lesson for us. I want you to notice, Jesus, what he says. He says, when you give, when you pray, when you fast. So before I go any further, I think it's important to identify the fact that giving, praying, and fasting are not optional as a Christian. Didn't think I'd get a lot of, hmm. They're not optional practices in the life of a believer, in the life of a true disciple. Notice Jesus doesn't say if you decide to fast or if at some point in time God calls you to give. Or if you pray, he says, no, when you pray, when you fast, and when you give. Are you with me? So there's a, an assumption made on the part of Jesus that his followers and his disciples will be givers, they will be prayer warriors, and they will be fasters. So like I normally do, let me start off with a caution. If you're reasoning within yourself this morning or if you find your little voice inside of you that likes to try to get out of things and it starts to talk to you and it says, well, that's why I don't give. Or that's why I'm not going to pray and fast because I don't want to be a hypocrite. Let me respond to you by saying, if you don't give and if you don't pray and fast, 
and call yourself a Christian, you might already be a hypocrite. Because Jesus says, when you pray, when you fast, and when you give, if you're going to be an authentic follower of Christ, it's when you do these things, not if you do these things. You with me? You're like, wait a minute, I thought you were going to beat the churchy folk up. It's coming. So let's talk about this. The first thing that Jesus does in the pattern, or the first two things that he does, is he names the activity, and then he describes how the hypocrites practice it. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to look at the activities, and we're going to look at how Jesus described the hypocrites practice it. We're going to break that down, and then we're going to move on. So Jesus names the activity and describes how the hypocrites practice it. If you notice verse 2, Jesus says this. When you give to the needy, don't sound a trumpet before you do it like the hypocrites do. Jesus despised the fact that the Pharisees turned the beauty of giving into a public display of arrogance. Can you imagine? The Pharisees would march to the money box with their heads held high in the synagogue. They would march with pride to the beggars that stood outside of the temple. And they made sure that they would give the biggest and best gift, and they made sure they did it at just the right time so that everybody could, what, see. Now, some scholars have suggested something crazy, that Jesus, when he says, don't blow the trumpet, that he was literally talking about a trumpet, a literal trumpet blowing. In other words, some scholars have suggested that before the Pharisees would give, they would blow a trumpet. Now, I know that sounds kind of weird, and they would justify it as, in blowing the trumpet, all the poor around the area would know it was time to receive, and it would bring them in. But in reality, blowing the trumpet was just an opportunity for them to stand up and say, we're giving. Now, I want you to know that even though some scholars say this, it may not be true. It's not certain. Either way, here's what I think Jesus was referring to. Vain individuals inside the church that love to parade their giving around so that others could admire and gaze upon how holy they are. This is where we probably got the phrase tooting your own horn. So whether it was a real trumpet or a figurative trumpet or both, you can imagine, <laughs> you can imagine what this, imagine what this would look like at Inspire Church. Can you imagine that? Maybe like every time somebody gave a big offering, like we could like flash their names on, you know. <laughs> Paul just gave a, right? Chris just gave a big offering, right? Everyone just, and it's just like, and it's funny, you could have this little thing that goes in and then the offering basket is like, penny, not good, you know, blah, 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 $100, oh, flash it up there. Can you imagine with our technology how we can make that such an interesting thing? Imagine everyone gave them a standing ovation because of their money they were given. Or how embarrassing would it be to invite the poor and make them stand in front and have all of the rich people just march up with their money and show the audience and make sure that everyone knew I was giving it to the poor? Are you with me? A man by the name of Charles Spurgeon says this, to stand with a penny in one hand and a trumpet in the other is a posture of hypocrisy. It's a posture of hypocrisy. Sometimes the $2 giver is less of a hypocrite than the $2,000 giver in the church. That's why as a pastor, I do my best not to look at the times. 
Who's our givers? I don't want to know. <laughs> I don't want to. It doesn't, that, God looks at the heart. Are you with me? Let's move to verse 5. Jesus says this, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners. Now here's what I want you to know. Everything sounds fine here, okay? Praying in the church together, is there's nothing wrong with that. Are you guys with me? There's nothing wrong with praying in the church. There's nothing wrong with going out to your city streets and praying on your city corners. I think that's amazing. In fact, we'll probably do that. <laughs> nice whistle. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with praying in church. There's nothing wrong with praying in the streets. Those are all powerful acts of worship and faith. But when it came to the Pharisees, they only enjoyed public prayer because it provided them an opportunity to be seen as holy men. Listen, it's possible to go to church for the same reasons the Pharisees went to the synagogue. Not to worship God, but to get man to worship them. You hear me? It's possible to go to church every Sunday for the same reasons the Pharisees went to the synagogue. Not to worship God, but to have man look at them and worship them. Now, I want you to know it was customary to stand up, lift up hands in prayer. Even today, I don't know if you noticed, but we do the same thing. You may look to the left or to the right during worship. People are praying. People have their hands lifted up. Are you with me? Please don't misunderstand what I'm trying to say. There is nothing wrong with expressing emotion in prayer and worship. Tears, passion, lifting up hands. See, you don't know what the person next to you has been through. You don't know what God has delivered them from. You don't know the kind of life that they came out of. You don't know the kind of addictions that they're fighting through. You don't know the pain that they've carried. You don't know the pain that they're carrying right now. And so pardon them as they lift their hands and get loud. They have the right to do it. Do you understand that? I have no problems with showing emotion and showing a, a powerful interaction uh, with the Lord in that regard. Please don't allow what Jesus is saying right now to excuse your passionlessness in worship. That is not what I'm trying to say. And that's not what I believe Jesus was saying. But what Jesus is calling out are those men and women who raise their hands and stand to their feet, but they're secretly glancing around with their heart to watch what kind of impression they might be making on others who are looking at them. You getting that? Jesus says, when you give, don't blow your trumpet. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Don't sit down and be the person. The first thing you talk about is just how much you do or how much you make or how much you give. You know what? It, in the long run, it, does not, it doesn't make you look like a humble person. Don't parade that around. Likewise, when you pray, he says, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like the Pharisees. They stand up. They pray on the streets. They walk around. They're loud, and they simply do it so everyone can look at them and be like, wow, they're so holier than us. You understand that? Can I, can I tell you something? I'm going to get down here. We are all children of God. Why did I get down here? Because there's a tendency to look at pastors and elevate them to this high level. And, and I get it. Every day we're on this stage. We kind of do it that way, right? The stage is lifted up, so it kind of just feels that way. We're getting talked at all the time. But I want to let you know that all of us in here are children of God, and we all struggle 
and we all sin and we all fall short. The biggest mistake you can make is elevate man higher. Because guess what? Man is going to let you down. I will stick around long enough. I would probably offend you. I probably already have this morning. Do you understand? Stick around long enough in any church. Some of you have come from other churches and you're here because you've been hurt. Stick around in this church long enough. You're going to get hurt too. Right? Here's the difference between the body of Christ and the world. It's not that we don't hurt each other. That's the same. It's just that the body of Christ, when they hurt each other, they're supposed to be forgiveness. We're supposed to be a reconciling community. And so when people look at us, they're not going to say, wow, that's perfect people. No, they're supposed to say, look at those hypocrites. But they reconcile. They do something different. Are you with me on that? I want to get back up here now. But please don't hold me in high regard because if something happens in my life, don't let my fall and my failure lead to your fall and your failure. That means you had your eyes on man and not on Christ. Are you with me? Verse 16, Jesus says, and when you fast, don't be like the hypocrites. Well, what do the hypocrites do? They look gloomy. <laughs> they disguise their faces that their fasting may be seen to others, by others. Now, this sounds a little pathetic, but it's true. First, boasting in your giving, then drawing attention in your prayer life, and now purposefully making yourself look pathetic. So that people can say, wow, there's somebody who really sacrificed for God this week. <laughs> and here's the ironic part about all of this. Out of all the spiritual disciplines, fasting is supposed to be the most humbling before the Lord. But, of course, the Pharisees figured out a way how to take a practice that was meant to decrease them and instead glorified themselves with it. Fasting is meant to humble yourself and decrease you. But the Pharisees found a way to take something that was meant to decrease them, and they found a way to lift themselves up. Are you with me? In fact, the word that Jesus uses for disguise, it actually means disfigure. Or to make yourself invisible and unrecognizable. They'd even go as far as neglecting personal hygiene. Can you believe that? So they would cover their heads with sackcloth and they would smear their face with ashes in order to look pale and worn. This is true. Somehow all that meant that they were holy. It's like, look, the worse you look today, you must be really holy. Isn't that weird how it like, it's sometimes we as humans think, well, the holier we are, we got to look all depressed. We got to be, we're sacrificing. How are you doing, brother? I'm just sacrificing, man. I'm a Christian, and this life is terrible. I've been giving up everything. No wonder nobody wants to come to church with you when you invite them. It's just church. is just, man, I got to get to church in the morning. I got to serve this morning. Oh, now I'm going to go there for some of you servers, right? I got to wake up early. Like, you do it once every three weeks. You get an opportunity to minister in the church. There are people sitting down right now who would love to be on the serve team. And you over there complaining. Hmm, come on. Get them churchy folk. Oh, brother, I'm just sacrificing for Jesus, you know. My whole life just been a big sacrifice. Jeez, the joy of the Lord is your strength. I love it. Woo! I mean, don't, it's a sacrifice. Don't get me wrong. We're sacrificing our flesh all the time. We're on the cross dying, but I want to let you know it's a great time. I love Jesus. I love the people of God. I love church. Okay, I'm getting off target. I get in trouble when I go off my notes. <laughs> Babe, you're supposed to give me that look. <laughs> Neglecting personal hygiene. Can you imagine that here? 
You didn't brush your teeth. You didn't do your hair. You didn't take a shower. You went to the backyard, got a little backyard dirt, put it on you. Came in, everyone's like, wow, there goes Pastor Phil. He must be fasting. Wow. And again, we laugh because it sounds incredibly ridiculous, but this is what Jesus is saying. And this is what we look like to God when he sees the motivation of our hearts. Are you with me? Now let's move on because i got to move on quickly. Let's move on. So Jesus goes from naming the activity and telling you how the hypocrites would do it. And then he says, well, this is how a Christian should do it. I hate putting the word authentic Christian in front of it because Christians should just be authentic. But sometimes we have to do it. But this is how a Christian should do it. Authentic Christianity. Verse 3, Jesus says this, but when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Jesus is not questioning what the hand is doing, but he's rather looking at what is the heart thinking while the hand is doing it. Jesus is not questioning you shouldn't give then. You should probably just shouldn't give. He's not questioning what the hand is doing. He says if you give and when you give. His question is not with how you give, what you give, or when you give, but what is the heart thinking while you're giving? Are you with me? You see, the right hand was seen as the most active hand, so Jesus assumed when handing over a gift, we'd use the right hand to hand it over. It's a figure of speech. But don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. It's like saying, don't just keep it from other people, but keep it from yourself. Well, what does he mean by that? How could you keep it from yourself? In other words, beware that your self-consciousness does not turn into self-righteousness. You know, our heart can be so deceitful that even when we give in secret, we can still use it as a way to make ourselves feel a little better. It's possible to turn an act of mercy into an act of vanity like that. Remember, the principal motive of giving to the needy is not for your own benefit, but it's to see that person's need meant. That should bring you joy. Again, there are going to be some of you in here that are going to make a law out of it. Well, I'm just not going to tell anybody. You're sitting with your accountability buddies. You're talking. You're saying, man, I had this giving. That's okay. Just know your heart behind why you're sharing. Like, it's okay to encourage and to testify. I'm just saying the motive of your heart is so important. Are you with me on that? Some of you are going to be like in offering basket now, like, I'm not showing anybody. <laughs> right? Let's move on to verse 6. He says, when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your father who is in secret. I'm going to go quickly through this. I want to highlight three things about how a Christian prays. Remember, next week we're going to talk about prayer in the life of a believer. But I want to highlight, highlight three things. The first thing Jesus says, shut the door. Everybody say, shut the door. Good. In a time where there's so much is competing for your attention, shut your door. For Jesus, shutting the door meant keeping out distractions and disturbances. There's nothing like open doors in our lives that can keep us from experiencing the power of private prayer. Cell phones, amen. Facebook. Your computer screen. Netflix. Television. Your busy schedule can all be open doors of distraction that remove you from being able to experience a time of prayer with God during your week. Shut your door. Say, go in the room. Good. You know what's really crazy? The Greek word used for room here is a word that is specifically mentioned for a room in a house that stores the treasures and the wealth of the house. You know what Jesus is saying? There are treasures waiting for us in private prayer. There are treasures waiting for us 
in private prayer, in undistracted and undeterred places. Now, can I give you some powerful insight? I'm going to give it to you anyway. Here we go. I want you to mourn over this a little bit. Think about all of the wisdom and guidance you've passed up in your life because you haven't prayed. Up until this point, look back and think of all of the wisdom and the guidance and the treasures God had for you because you made decisions without praying. Now look forward because we believe that there's hope. And look forward to all the wisdom and the guidance you're going to get because from this day forward, you're going to learn how to shut the door, go into the room, and pray. Finally, say your father's in secret. Good. Let me ask you guys a question. When something can't be found, usually, well, it's not a question. I'll make a statement. When something can't be found, you, you got to look somewhere else, right? You look to all the places, start looking somewhere else, right? So if I lost something and I keep looking at the same places, like, hey, let's try another place, right? I mean, that's kind of common sense. All I'm saying is if you're having trouble finding guidance, if you're having trouble finding purpose, if you're having trouble finding God, it's probably because you're not shutting the door. And going to him in private. Private prayer is guaranteed to find the Father. Some of us feel like we haven't found God in a long time. And I would probably say, you probably haven't taken a long walk and just talked to the Lord. Because the Bible tells us he, where he's at. He's not hiding. He's just in the private place. Oh, but I got to get to work. Oh, I got to do this. I got to watch this. I got to do this. Well, just so you know, God is waiting in the private place. seatbelt light it's coming on as a christian if you've been serving the lord for a long time and the only time you pray is in public or when the church calls you to prayer you just might be practicing some hypocrisy right as a christian not so if you're new to this thing you're just learning please don't take as a long time christian if the only time you've been praying is when the church calls it or when it's public prayer you haven't done anything private you might be practicing some hypocrisy Search your heart. Verse 17. He says, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your feet. Now it's simple. All Jesus is saying is brush your hair, brush your teeth, wash your face, take your shower. I'm not asking you to do anything that you don't normally do every day. Hopefully, some of us. Jesus is not asking you to do anything out of the ordinary. In fact, he says, be ordinary, be normal, so that the motive of your fast remains pure. Listen to this. The purpose of fasting is not to advertise ourselves, but to discipline ourselves. Not to gain a reputation for ourselves, but to express humility before God. If these purposes are fulfilled, man, your reward will be amazing. Are you with me? I'm going to invite the worship team to come up, and we're going to get ready to conclude. I want to finish this morning's message by exploring two final concepts. Have you noticed Jesus uses the word hypocrisy in the patterns? Yeah? Three times he uses the word hypocrisy. Two things I want to explore as we end this morning. Hypocrisy and your heart motives. The motive of your heart. Now, Jesus uses hypocrisy, and there's an interesting etymology of the word in Greek. So in Greek, if you were to say hypocrisy in Greek, it's simply this, hupokritos. Can you say that, hupokritos? You know what that was? That was an actor 
or an orator who played a part in ancient Greek plays. And these Greek plays were called hupokrinomais. I know that's kind of crazy. Maybe if you talk to a person in Greek, they would say, maybe it's not pronounced that way exactly. But let me tell you about these plays. They were unique dramas in which the actors would wear masks. And oftentimes, they would wear different masks. And they would interplay with the audience. They would address the audience, and there would be kind of this back-and-forth drama-type theater. Are you with me? And the whole goal of the audience and the whole goal of the actors was to play many parts and to try to solve mysteries. And oftentimes, the, the actors would try to throw the audience off so that you couldn't tell the real motive. You guys with me? So Jesus borrows from this setting and describes men who treat the church like a stage and who treat those who attend the church like their audience. So their loud voices, their many tears, their large sum of monies, their pale faces would all give the impression that they were devout men. And all they, although they succeeded at fooling people, they could not fool God. Jesus calls out all those who take religious practices and turn them into what they were never meant to be, make-believe, a theatrical display before an audience, all done for one thing, applause. Lastly, I just want to talk about your heart motives. When it comes to Jesus, when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to discipleship, the motivation of your heart means everything. When it comes to religious practices, there's a couple of things you need to know about your heart. When you're giving, when you're praying, when you're fasting, when you're moving in what God has called you to, I want you to take note of where your heart is. Three things. You're either doing it to seek the praise of other people. You're either doing it to seek to make yourself feel a little better. Or you're genuinely desiring the approval of God. Which is it? Don't let the problem with the Pharisees be your problem this morning. Do not allow your hunger for the praise of other people to go unchecked in your heart. Listen to the words of the Apostle John in chapter John 12, 43. For they love the glory that comes from man more than they love the glory that comes from God. Let me say that again. The Apostle John diagnoses the Pharisee. He says this, for they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. This morning, it's really simple. Why are you here? What motivated you to come to church? Was it Jesus? Was it someone or something else? God has a great way of time, has a great way of making sure what your motivations really look like. Are you a boaster? Do you find it difficult to give, pray, or even fast without making sure someone else notices? If so... Put that hunger for self-glorification in check. Crucify it with Christ. Or maybe you're quiet, but deep down you're only participating in serving and attending services regularly or participating in some way to make yourself just feel a little better. Check your motives. A man by the name of John Stott said this. Jesus has been contrasting two kinds of piety, Pharisaic and Christian. Pharisaic piety is ostentatious, I'm sorry, ostentatious, motivated by vanity and rewarded by men. Chief piety is secret, motivated by humility. I'm sorry, Christ, Christian piety is secret, 
motivated by humility and rewarded by God. I want to leave you with this question. Which spectator matters most in your life? God or man? Say that again. Which spectator matters most in your life, God or man? And I'll say that in two areas. In the church, which spectator matters, God or man? And also outside of the church. Your friends or God? Who are you pleasing? Yourself or your heavenly father? Maybe you come to Sunday just to feel a little better about what you did the entire week. That is not what Sunday morning is for. Check yourself this morning. That's what the Bible does. That's what Jesus does. A lot of us, man, Jesus loved. He was the greatest lover of all time, crucified on the cross. The Bible says while you and I hated him, we were enemies of him, he died for us. But you know what? Even a lover challenges and checks the hearts of those he loves. The word of God says that we would be Ill illegitimate children if our father didn't discipline us. So if you need to receive a little discipline this morning, it's good for you. Let's pray. Inspired Churches aims to be a church that the city loves. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. Come back next week as Pastor Philip continues on the six-part series. For more information about how you can get involved or about our community, visit www.inspirechurches.com.